You are listening to the Center Church Podcast. Center Church is an unapologetic urban church in the heart of Richmond for the heart of Richmond. Our mission is simple, to empower people towards a life-giving journey with Jesus. Enjoy the podcast. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Well, good morning. You may be seated. Happy Easter, everyone. How's it going? He has risen. He has risen indeed. Hallelujah. Hey, listen, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, It's Easter. Some of you are just so stoked that it's Easter because you can finally break fast. Someone in our um, second service said that they fasted coffee. And they, I mean, they had a skip in their step when they entered into church because they could finally drink coffee once again. Um, I love Easter so much. I love this season because it's just, uh, it's joy. It's just so much joy and so much pollen (laughs) all at the same time. 
Um, it's a time where we uh, celebrate that there's a five foot eleven bunny that enters into our house. Uh, it's it's a time where I would say that it has better candy than uh, Halloween. Would you not agree? I mean, the candy game on Easter is far better than any other uh, holiday or season that we might celebrate. So what I want you to do is I want you to pass the piece to your neighbor, someone maybe you don't know, and just ask a question. Hey, what is your favorite Easter candy? What's your favorite Easter candy, young friends? What do you love? What do you dislike when it's in your Easter basket? Maybe it's red vines. Maybe it's licorice. I don't know. Go ahead and discuss amongst yourselves. What is your favorite Easter candy? What is your favorite Easter candy? Do we have people in Overflow? Hey, Amanda. Amanda. All right. Hey, listen, maybe it's Cadbury eggs. Maybe it's Hershey's. Maybe it's Reese's eggs. You know what I'm talking about? The egged Reese cups. Woo! Those slap. Am I right, Zach? I've heard the kids say that. I don't know what slaps mean. I apologize if that's something offensive. Um, listen, we all like some kind of Easter candy, but I think we can all agree that there's one that is um, garbage, that there's one that is just a hot mess, and they're called Peeps, amen? So, whoa, whoa, this is a hot, hot take. Some people like Peeps. Uh, some of you are also Satan worshipers. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's only one right way to eat a peep. I'm just going to be honest with you. And that's by throwing it in the garbage. <laughs> See you next Easter. <laughs> now, I thought long and hard, um, maybe we can't all agree that peeps are awful. Um, and that's okay. And so I began to think long and hard about, well, what can we all agree on in this Easter of 2022? And as I began to reflect quite a bit about the time we find ourselves in, uh, we find ourselves in incredibly, um, no, divisive times isn't the right word. We'll call them extremist times. Amen? We've lost friends. We've lost loved ones. We've lost the hope that maybe this pandemic would end. And yet here we are. Many of you have lost jobs. Many of you have lost um, some sense of normalcy in your life. You maybe have lost your church home. Maybe you're grieving the loss of people you care deeply about. I don't know. But what I think we can all agree on, while we can't agree on peeps, we can agree on the fact that many of us are empty and lonely. And it can be really hard when the church enters into such dualism. Like on Good Friday, we're mourning the loss, and then all of a sudden we are rushed to resurrection that we don't actually deal with the liminality that many of us feel. You know what I'm talking about? That liminal space of in-between, like somewhere between great suffering and loss, and you're just not ready to get to resurrection quite yet. And maybe you look at your life and you're like, 
why am I not ready to get there? Maybe you, maybe you do have a job. Maybe you do have friends. Maybe you do have family. Maybe you, you have all the things, but you just can't quite put your finger on why you still feel lonely and empty. I'm here to tell you that you're not alone. That you're not alone. Even though you might feel like it, even though you may think that you are, you're not alone. But yet it makes Easter very uncomfortable for many of us to kind of sit in and to dwell in. Even though you put on your fancy clothes, even though you got in the car, even though you made it here. And I love this text that we just read because it leaves a sort of emptiness, doesn't it? Like you sit in solidarity with Mary when she looks at the tomb. The text says, while it was still what? Dark. <laughs> Some of you are like, like amen. I'm, I'm looking at an empty tomb while it's still very dark in my life. And of course, Mary's first inclination isn't resurrection. You know, when it's dark, sometimes it's really hard to see any kind of hope. Are you with me? And so, of course, Mary's first inclination is, oh, great, here we go. More pain, more suffering, more loss of friendships, more loss of family, more pandemic, more loss of jobs, yet another thing. My marriage is on the ropes yet again. They've taken Christ. They've stolen him. <laughs> Can't believe it. But I want to ask a question today. Could it be that emptiness is the template of creation? Could it be that all along the emptiness is in fact real, yet it's a template for something new, something to be created, something nay to be, I said nay, that's so dumb, uh, something to be, something to be cultivated. You know what I'm talking about? I love in John chapter one, if you just go all the way back to the beginning of John, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was what? Was God. And so to understand what John is talking about, we have to go back to Genesis, which is the first book in the Bible. And in Genesis, we see that creation, it was just formless and void. It was empty and void. There was nothingness. And yet, in the midst of that nothingness, there was a somethingness that was hovering over the formless and void world. And that something began to cultivate. It began to create. It began to see the tombs of emptiness, and it spoke light. And then creation came. Did you know that there's two creation narratives in Genesis? 
This might be astounding to some of you. The first one is, of course, you know, let there be light, yada, yada, yada. God saw that it was what? Good. See, it's not original sin. It's actually original goodness. Woo! Easter is here, my friends. Resurrection. We are good. And God sees us as good. There's a second creation narrative. It, um, the text says that the earth had yet to be formed. It was just an empty blank slate. And then a stream popped up. And then God took dirt and breathed into humanity. And God began to co-create with humanity. Isn't that powerful? That again, out of emptiness, God loved creation, that it would invite, God would invite creation to co-create within emptiness. There are no names for animals, and so God invites creation to name and co-create and to build. And so we look at our empty tombs as nothingness and void, as pain and suffering, and that is true. But God loves creation so much so that he's willing to invite creation to co-create. In John chapter 11, if you just go back from our text a few chapters, you'll look at John chapter 11. Did you know there's another resurrection story? It's Lazarus. It's his friend Lazarus has been placed in a tomb. And Jesus catches wind while he's doing ministry in Jerusalem. And his uh, disciples look at him and are like, no, you are not going to Bethany to sit with Martha. You are not going to Bethany to sit with Mary. There's no way you're going to get stoned. But the one thing we know about resurrections is that stones do not prevent Jesus from resurrection. <laughs> Little did they know, though. But you have to wonder, was it silent when Jesus began to make that voyage? Pondering the loss of yet another friend to death, to darkness, to emptiness, to void. Was it silent for Martha and Mary while they waited almost four days, four Long days for Jesus to arrive. Was it silent for them? And look what Jesus does when he does, in fact, arrive to see Mary and Martha crying. The text says Jesus wept. God loves creation so much that he's willing to sit with creation, to co-create something new in the emptiness. Are you with me? The text that Lauren just read, when Mary saw the empty tomb, she quickly ran to share the news with her disciples. They had been hiding, and of course they'd been hiding. It was the end for their movement. And so when she arrived at the disciples, come look, Jesus has been taken. He's gone, now we have yet nothing, not even a body to recognize. Come bear witness to my emptiness. Come and see my silence. Come out of hiding and look at me. Isn't it true, friends? 
in our darkest moments, we just want someone or something to remind us that we're not alone. When Jesus reached Martha and Mary, Jesus wept. Come and bear witness to my emptiness. And then something happens. You see, there's an intimate relationship between God and creation. But there's an intimate relationship between those who are suffering and those willing to suffer alongside. To co-create something new. To take that of which is dust and to breathe new life into it. This is what it means to be people of the resurrection. Are you with me? Stones will not get in our way. Death will not get in our way for advocating for those who are suffering. This is a church of advocacy. We will stand up for the oppressed. We will stand up for the least of these because stones, persecution, emptiness, suffering will not thrive. There's this ancient tradition in Judaism called sitting shiva. It's when the bereaved have experienced significant loss. It's a practice in Judaism that someone will come alongside those who are suffering and simply sit in the silence, in the emptiness. And it's in that sitting, it's within that solidarity, that hope begins to boil once again. Sure, you may always carry loss, but it's a reminder that maybe we're not so alone as much as we are all one. Maybe we're not so much alone as much as we are just add one more L that we're all one with one another. And there lies the resurrection. Peter and John ran to the grave and they saw the tomb was indeed empty. Sometimes we have a hard time believing women, not only in that culture, but in this culture as well. Amen? There's been so much loss of life and change, that the text tells us they went back into hiding. They didn't realize Jesus had been resurrected. But guess who stayed? Mary. Mary stayed, and she began to weep and cry. And as she wept, she heard a voice of two angels. She didn't realize it was angels. Woman, why are you crying? She responded, if you've taken the Lord away, tell me. I don't know where you've put them. And then she turns and she sees a gardener standing there. Woman, why are you crying? Whom are you crying for? Whom are you waiting for? Whom are you looking for? And she responds, get him and put him back in the grave. Isn't it funny how we look for death a moment and put it back in its place? Like, Let's put it back in its tomb so that we can see it again, so that we can bring it back up over enough, not whatever the enough is. Let's go back there and relive that death. Sometimes we're so comfortable going back to death. 
You see, death is sometimes easier for coping with because death than our life, isn't it? That's true. All around us, oh, death is easier to cope with because it's just, I mean, it's life. It happens all around. Sometimes to see that there is a garden that is being cultivated. Sometimes that's hard to see for us to see that the gardener is actually at work. <laughs> but Jesus, he is recreation and he calls out death. When Jesus reached the tomb of Lazarus, the text says that Martha begged Jesus not to enter, enter and the King James Version uh, translated as the body had stinketh. And she was like, do not go in there. And Jesus calls out, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. Come out of your death. John, come out of your death. Tiffany, come out of your death. Rachel, come out of your death. Joe, come out of your death. Just one chapter earlier from Lazarus. Did you know that there's a parable? It's called the parable of the good shepherd. And the good shepherd knows the name of his sheep, and he leads them. Eloise, come out of your death. In our scripture reading, just as Mary went to grab death and wanted to grab death and put it back in the tomb, all of a sudden the gardener spoke. Just one word. Mary. Shepherd knows the name of the sheep. The shepherd sits in solidarity with the pain and the suffering and the emptiness. The gardener arrives to cultivate something new. And it's hope. And it's hopefulness. And it's beauty. She cries out, Rabbani which means teacher. You see, the gardener had something different to say about death, that death is merely an opportunity for created life, co-created life. Yes, friends, death is life. It's true. But there is hope that resurrection is eternal life, and the invitation for all of us is to be people of the resurrection. To be people that see an empty and formless world. To see a void and say, what could be cultivated? What could be gardened? What could be nurtured? What hope might I bring into this situation? What might be built? through my faithfulness, to be honest about my place of emptiness, to call it out and to invite the gardener, the rabbi, the teacher, Jesus, in. 
what might it look like to recognize that we are all one? I'm going to invite the band up. And so may you, right where you are in the situation you find yourself in in 2022, May you, when you get a little more darkness in your life, when you get a little more bad news, when you get a little more stress, when you get another anxious moment, when you get just burnt out by this world and by pandemic, may you be a person of the resurrection May you create something new, something holy. May you co-create with the Christ that has been resurrected. And may you offer that very resurrection at every turn. I say this every single week um, or most weeks that I teach. And I think it's more true today than it's ever been before. Be healed but be healers of other people.